Well, if you uh, are looking at the schedule, you know that I am supposed to do the charge message. And so we're going to do that. But first, I do want to say this uh, in case there's a question about it. Uh, there will be no starting of an interpretive dance ministry. So, Michael, we're not. Stay with the piano, please. Uh, if you would, grab your Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3 tonight. And, uh, of course, you've come to the graduation ceremony, and if you haven't been to one at our church, of course, this is directed particularly to our graduates, uh, but I firmly believe that all Scripture, he ends this chapter with, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, and uh, it'll be profitable tonight. I don't think this is just for them. Uh, we go to teen rallies, we go to teen camps, we go to teen everything, and I can't tell you how many times uh, the teen's message is exactly what an adult needs, so don't worry about it. Uh, if you didn't graduate today, uh, the message will be fine for you. I promise you'll get some things. So uh, let's go ahead in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I'm going to read the whole chapter, and I'm going to do that on purpose. I don't do this often. So you know there's probably a reason. So let's go ahead with it. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, he says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further. For their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was." But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Uh, Paul is obviously admonishing Timothy. He's given Timothy this uh, final, ultimately the final charge to one of his preachers, uh, to Timothy, and he is reminding him of some things. And the first thing he starts reminding him of is that in the last days, there's going to be some perilous times. Uh, and if you look around, let's face it, we all know we're in the last days. Uh, these are perilous times. This is not times to uh, think that everything is safe and everything's okay. You look down the list from verses 2, 3, and 4, and 5, and you find out that that is exactly the world that we live in. Uh, make no mistakes, the last days are here. And in order to endure the last days, you're going to have to recognize that, yea, and all that li will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Uh, it's not easy to live a godly life. 
Uh, it's not something that becomes simple and easier that as time goes on. Uh, it's not something that is going to be exempted from problems or exempted from troubles. It is not a job of the Christian or the ability of the Christian to live without troubles. Uh, instead, persecution comes because we're living godly, because the world is not a godly place. Here in this life, uh, right here, as you've grown up, especially you two, you've been sheltered as best as your parents can do. And by sheltered, I don't mean uh, on showing to a world. You understand what a world is, but you've been seriously protected from having a lot of the ramifications that you would have had you not been homeschooled. Uh, I went to public school, and I endured. <laughs> that's what we did. Uh, that's, that's how we did it. Uh, but it was nowhere near what it is now. Uh, nowhere near it, uh, and I, had, I don't think I graduated that long ago. Uh, either way, I didn't, and uh, no matter what you say, I did not, and uh, it, the time that has changed, and just the thought process of a country, let alone what happens inside the public school, uh, the shelter and the protection has been there. The attempt to keep you from evil has been there to isolate you from what evil men and seducers that are waxing worse and worse, he says in verse number 13, deceiving and being deceived shows up. And Paul is admonishing Timothy that when we get close, this is what the world is going to be. This is what we are facing. This is what we're going to have to live through. And his statement about the entirety of it is one set of words right there in verse 14, two words, but continue. Continue. Uh, I, I didn't pull up the stats again, so I'm going to do this from memory. Uh, the teens, some of the teens have heard this before. I think these two may have when I did it in, uh, in youth group. I talked about the stats from the Southern Baptist Convention. Now, they're not exactly what we believe, and they're not exactly the same, and I understand that. Uh, their stats, though, were that over 80%, over 80% of those who graduate at the age of 18, by the time they get to 21, they are not in church. Over 80%. So I'm just going to make this nice and simple. There's eight people on the first two rows right here. Two of these people would be here, and i got to grab two more. <laughs> but these eight are gone, and the Getmans are still here. And then uh, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. We'll get, grab Amy and Anna and Nancy are still here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, we'll add Sue Robinson, and the Bacons are still here. On this side of the room, six people. How do you like that for numbers? So what's the problem? They didn't continue. The world allures, and the world wants to deceive, and the devil wants to pull them out, and the devil wants to seek and to kill and to destroy. That is his job. He wants to steal everything that they have. He wants to remove every joy that they have. He wants to go ahead and destroy their lives and leave them in ruin and leave them dead. And you know what, you know what the Lord tells them? But continue. You don't have to go the way that the 80% will go. We don't have to have the same stats. But the sad reality is most of the world will have those stats. Most of Christianity will have those stats. But they don't have to be those stats. 
Instead, he says, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. You say our parents perfect. Never. <laughs> the kid's not perfect and the parents aren't either. <laughs> we know that. We understand that. But that doesn't mean it discounts what the parents have done. Instead, what it does is you know who you learned that from and you know what they did was right or it wasn't right and you learn from it. You do not have to repeat the mistakes of the past. Learn. You've been learning, learn that. And not only that, I want you to learn how to continue. And so tonight I'm going to preach on continue. I'm going to particularly encourage you to continue. The rest of you ought to be continuing as well. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll, we'll get right into the Word of God. Father, I thank you for the night and I thank you once again for these two especially. Father, for finishing school, for graduating for a day we can come together and celebrate what they have done. Father, their personal accomplishments, their parents' work in their lives as well as your work. Father, especially yours in their lives. Both of them saved, both of them uh, attending, both of them growing, both of them wanting to do more for you. And so, Father, I do pray that you would continue to guide and direct both of them. Father, guide me tonight as I preach, as I speak. Help me to say what you want me to say and help it to be exactly what is needed tonight. Lord, I pray if someone is here tonight without the Savior, they'd call upon Jesus Christ today. And Father, once again, we pray you'd come back soon in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. He makes that statement, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of. Uh, he wants them to continue. Uh, he's telling Timothy, continue. You have to continue. If you don't continue, you will end up like the ones who are living wrong. You are be the one that has a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such. You'll be those people. And so there's certain things throughout the Scriptures that, that uh, are evident throughout it that we are to be continuing in. And Shannon stepped on some of my toes already, but that's all right. Joe stole half of her speech. She stole parts of my message. It's fine. Go back to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, and some of these are, some of these are pre pretty simple and easy truths, and you know them, and you know them, and you know them. Uh, here's the thing, pastor says it all the time, it's a principle of learning. Repetition is the key to learning. We remember it because we are reminded of it. The children of Israel, they forget who God is because they don't rehearse what God has done for them. They don't rehearse and remember and remember and remember. And so because they don't do that, they forget how great of a God they had and they lost the blessings of who God was. And so tonight I want you to remember some things you ought to just keep doing. Continue. Just to keep doing it. You've already been doing it probably. If you haven't been doing it, you need to start doing it. Uh, but you need to continue. And he says here in John chapter 8, of course, verse number 31, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Uh, you need to continue in the word of God. There is one thing in this life, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. What's going to keep me living clean? 
The Word of God. It's going to keep me living clean. What's going to give me the wisdom of God? Well, out of, out of, out of His book comes wisdom. With Him is wisdom. Understanding. Knowledge of the holy. Where do we get it all? We get it all from a book that tells us the truth. That from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures that are able to make thee wise unto salvation. We got salvation because we went to a book and we found the pages and we found that it was true. We need to continue in that book and not let it go and not let it slide away. We get busy with life. We get busy with work. We get busy with things and problems and cares. And you know what people lose? They gladly lose their Bible. They quit continuing. And then they wonder why things aren't going right, why they aren't thinking right, because they're not renewing their mind day by day and day by day and day by day. They stopped continuing in the Word of God, and God can't continue to help them with reminding them of what they have already in their mind. It's a struggle to get to go ahead and have all those things in remembrance and to keep them and have that mindset to know what God wants you to do if you don't continue in His Word. That's how He can go. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. How can He order you if you're not reading? We need to continue. Weak, anemic Christians are ones who don't continue to read their Bible. I'd encourage you to study it, but I mostly encourage you to read it. And read it. And then read it. That will keep you a disciple of Jesus Christ. That'll keep you following Him. By the way, that'll straighten out any problems you had from before. That'll straighten up your own problems. That'll straighten up any perceived problems. That'll straighten out all those pieces. The Lord had the answer. All the things that we have in our past and all the problems that we have done, all the mistakes we have made are all cleaned up because of the washing of the Word. They give us the answers. We come up to a new trial that we've never come to. You know what we need? We need a new answer. And maybe we just read it over and over and over again and just haven't seen it yet. And then the day we need it, the Lord says, don't worry, I'll let you notice something you've never noticed before. Say, would that happen? Not if you don't continue. And it leaves you a weak and anemic Christian when you don't continue in His Word. Look over back at 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. I could almost read this whole chapter. I won't, but I, I could. And here we are, once again, we are, verse number 1, we're in the last days, we're in the latter times. 1 Timothy chapter 4, he says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from each which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Uh, Jump down a little further. In verse number 12, he says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine, neglect not the gift that is in thee, 
which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of, hand, of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Earmark of the at latter times is that people don't want to endure sound doctrine. They don't want good teaching. Doctrine is what we're taught and what we know. What we believe through our thought, our, our teachings and what we've been learning and how we have grown and the pieces that we have. There are certain doctrines that we hold because as you go through the scriptures, those doctrines are solid and they're secure and we teach them and we believe them and we know them. Don't forget the doctrines. You must continue in the doctrines. Notice what those do. For in doing this, remembering those and continuing to remember and study them and look them over and remind them and rehearse them and keep going over them and continue in them. You say, what does it do? It shall both save thyself and them that hear thee. You say, what does good doctrine do? It keeps you from problems. Good doctrine, you know what it'll do? Uh, any of you, right, growing up, well, Joe was saying uh, certain things that we say, right? If you get up and, and get your work done, you can go and play the rest of the day, right? You know what's another one that we do? I taught you better than that. You know better than that. Right? Pastor Legault has given his illustration of being up on the roof, completely dehydrated, ready to fall off and pass out this morning. And all of us were unimpressed. Instead, we were like, you know better than that. Right? Isn't that what everybody thought? Like, what are you doing? You know better than that. Right? And we're thinking, why? Why? Why, why did you, you know better than that? Your mother raised you better than that. Right? That's what we're all thinking. Thank you, Pastor. We're all thinking that. You know what the Lord says? I taught you better than that. I taught you good doctrine. I taught you the principles from the Word of God, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. All those pieces are in there to do what? To defend you from doing something stupid. That's what they're there for. They're there to keep you from dangerous places where you don't want to be, even if you don't know that you don't want to be there. Those pieces are all put in place so that the doctrine is there, the learning has been there, so that you can keep yourself from being pulled into false doctrines as well as being pulled away into doing dumb things as well as keeping everything in order so that you do it the way He wants it done. Good doctrine because when you get to that place, then the ones that hear you can receive the doctrine you just gave them. How are they going to take your witness if you won't continue in the doctrine that you were given? You won't see anybody saved. You, you won't see anybody come to Christ. You won't be able to recover those that are in the snare of a devil and the condemnation that he brought. You won't be able to help anybody if you just stay forgetful of everything you should know. You've been taught. Don't forget it. You've learned the doctrine. They continued in the disciples' doctrine back there in Acts chapter 2. Over and over again, he reminds them to continue in the faith, the doctrine, what we've been taught, what we believe, why we believe it. 
why you and I use a King James Bible, why we believe that Jesus Christ is the only means of salvation, why we know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God come in the flesh, God manifest in the flesh, the one who gave his life a ransom for many. Why is it that we understand that we have eternal security saved forever because of the payment that was made at Calvary? Why do we know that God created the universe and the heavens and everything that we have? Why do we know? Because we have a book. And it's the doctrines that we have held. And if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't have that. You don't understand the Word of God. You don't understand the doctrines. You don't have the principles that He has. And you, have, you aren't in the right spot. I'll get, I'll get to that here in a little while. But the truth that you need is you need to understand. You need to continue in the Word of God. And you need to continue in the right doctrine. Keep reminding yourself of what's good. I thoroughly enjoy doing discipleship with people. I know Pastor does. Uh, Pastor and I both, we've done that. We've done premarital counseling with people. You know, you know what helps us doing the right things and thinking the right way? I mean, discipleship is basics. Like, most of you have done our discipleship stuff. You've seen it. You've looked it over. You may have had us there. You may have had somebody else doing it in the church. And as we go through those things, you know, uh, it reminds me and it sharpens my doctrine. It just keeps over and over and over again. You know what it does? It just makes me go, yep, that's right. Oh, man, that's right. Look at all the evidence for that. That's so, I mean, this is so simple. And all it does is sharpen my own, my own belief in what, what I have taught and what I have preached for years. Over and over and over again. Knowing those truths. Knowing what God had to say, knowing that that is what we believe and why we believe it, because it will be the thing that keeps you from danger and it will be the thing that can save others. So you need to continue in it. Look over at John chapter 15. John chapter 15. He says, Jesus Christ speaking, of course, about the vine and the branches and abiding in Him. But He says in verse number 9, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever I command you. Not only the word of God and not only doctrine, but you ought to continue with brotherly love. His statement in Hebrews chapter 13 is, let brotherly love continue. Can't get much simpler than that. Uh, he's talking about loving the brethren and laying our lives down. And his statement about it is that uh, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Uh, to this I say, Jesus Christ had greater love than you and I could ever have. He laid down his life for his enemies. When Jesus Christ gives his life, he gives his life for people who were sinful, wicked men, who didn't care about him, and didn't want him, they rejected him. They crucified him. 
And he died not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And he died to make sure that life could happen for whosoever will let him come and take a drink of the water of life freely. The sin that was paid for at Calvary made it because Jesus Christ died for all. He goes ahead and he gives his life and he lays it down and he's talking about it later with Ephesians chapter 5 and we can go to a bunch of verses, right? Many of you know them and the idea that Jesus Christ loved us so much that he gave his life a ransom for many. He paid the debt of our sins and when he pays the debt of our sins and he gives his life, he shows the world what real love actually is. Nothing in return. He gives his life and he says... Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. But when you get to Romans, you find out that we were enmity with God. We're his enemies. We're sinful. We're ungodly. And as sinful, ungodly people, he says, hey, you know what you need? You need the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You can have everlasting life. I don't know if anybody in here is not saved. These two talked about their salvation. I know both of them have trusted Christ as their Savior. Have you? If not, none of this. You haven't, you haven't started. You can't continue if you haven't started. <laughs> none of this would matter. You, can't, you don't know how to truly love another person without the love of Christ. It's the greatest love that's ever been. And the truth is that Jesus Christ loved you so much that knowing everything terrible about you, He still gave His life for you. I don't know, maybe you think of yourself much more highly than I think of myself, but I know how terrible I am. I I don't think anybody should have to die for me. Let alone pay the price like He did. He became sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Knowing everything terrible about you, He still wants to save you for all of eternity. And then He looks at us after He saves us and He says, okay, now go out and love the brethren. Love one another. Continue to love. You know, sometimes that becomes very, very difficult for us. We don't like what somebody does. We don't like what somebody says. We don't like how they are. We just, we get all, and Christians, I don't know why we get so terrible about it, but we do. And we go, well, and he says, no, no, let brotherly love continue. Continue in my love. You say, well, is, what kind of love is that? That's not your love. That's his love. <laughs> his love is different than our love. Our love has all sorts of expectations of getting something back. His love makes all of, the, all of the effort on His side to give of Himself. Not knowing whether He'll get anything back or not would be the way that it would be for us. He says, hey, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Would you be willing to give up so that someone else could have? You want to talk about love, I'm going to give you a, a wonderful example. The Apostle Paul makes the statement that he would be accursed for Israel's sake. I'll take the punishment if Israel could be saved. 
That's how much he loved his nation. You know how much uh, the church loved him, the lo- loved Brother Paul? Uh, the statement was, Brother Paul said, that uh, you would give me your own eyes. That's love right there. Sacrifice. You know what the Lord's reminding us of? He's saying, hey, you need to continue in my love. How are you loving one another? I'm not saying like. There's a big difference between liking and loving somebody. I don't like everybody. I'm just going to be honest. I don't like everybody. I don't even like all the brethren. Some of them are not that great of people. I don't, I don't like them all that much. There's some we like, right? We get along with certain people better than we get along with other people. Certain interests in our lives, certain different pieces, certain things. But the Lord didn't tell you you had to like everybody. The Lord doesn't like everybody. How do you know that? David is one of the few cases, if not the only case in the Bible, where God says that he liked somebody. David says, hey, uh, the Lord is looking for this king, right? And he's telling the whole story there. And he says, uh, but he liked me above my brethren, in that he hath made me king over all of Israel. David was liked by God. Well, he was a man after God's own heart. Well, you're supposed to love the brethren. Hey, the Lord would like you more if he knew you loved the brethren. Anyways, I'm going to get off onto some other things there. I don't want to do that. Brotherly love. Do you love the brethren? He wants you to continue. Keep loving them. Help them. Reach out. We've heard it repeatedly. Michael said it tonight. Uh, many say this, especially about our church is that this is more of a family to them than some of their family. Their physical, biological family. Why? Because you love each other the way family does. You bear burdens that other people never would. Because that's who we're a part of. Go over to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. I don't know if you're excited for cake, but we are doing that later, so um, i got to hurry up because today's a good cheat day for me, so uh, I reserved for cake. Um, uh, Colossians chapter 4, he says in verse number 2, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Continue in prayer. Uh, I don't rightly know how much more I could add to that statement. Uh, Don't quit praying. Uh, Our prayer life is amazingly helpful, not just to us, but to those we pray for. Praying also for us, Paul says. Uh, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The things we can't do anything about, God can do something about. Uh, That's why it's effectual. Uh, People get really confused sometimes. I don't know why. Uh, They get confused with the idea of effectual and fervent. They lump them together like they're the same thing. They're not the same thing. Effectual means that you can have an effect on the outcome of what is about to happen. Effectual. It has an effect. Fervent means that there's some passion involved. 
It's hot, it's heated, uh, and righteous means that you're doing right, you're living right. <laughs> the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Well, is it effectual if I can do something about it? Well, then why am I praying to him? <laughs> he, already, he already supplied the need. I don't need to, you know, if, if you're up at the cash register and the, bill, the bill's seventeen twelve, and you got a $20 bill in your pocket, you're not like, Lord, uh, you got to supply my need. Oh, no, that's in your pocket. Just reach in, grab the 20, hand it to them, right? That's kind of self-explanatory. I don't need to pray on that, all right? He already provided. It's the times when we don't know what the provision is yet. And we're praying to the one who can change everything. I mentioned it in Sunday school. Job makes the statement in Job 42, God that can do anything. That's the one we're praying to. He can do anything He would like. I can't do anything I would like. I don't have that kind of power. But I have access to the one who does. And that's why we can come boldly onto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And He shows up and He does what He wants to do in the situation that you and I have. But why should He intervene if we don't pray? Prayer opens the opportunity for God to intervene Say, so, well, he could intervene without me asking. Absolutely. But I find it strange that Jesus has to ask blind men what they would like him to do. I mean, let's face it. Uh, he walks up, uh, yeah, bring those blind guys down here. Okay, uh, Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do? Are you kidding me? Isn't it obvious what I want you to do? Yeah, but I just want to know that you know. I also want you to ask me so that you know I'm the one who did it. I also want you to ask me because I want you to believe that I can do it. I want you to trust me. Don't let your prayer life fall. Continue. Continue in your prayers. Continue praying one for another. Continue praying for what you need from the Lord. Go ahead and ask Him to supply your needs. Go ahead and ask Him for some wants. Feel free. Lord, I don't need it, but it'd be great. <laughs> That's okay. Just be ready for him to say no. He's got it all under control. He knows what's best. Don't let, don't let the times when you think God has failed you stop you from continuing in your prayers. Turn over to Romans chapter 6. Number 5, and it will be my last. Romans chapter 6. Now we've talked about the Word of God and continuing in the Word of God. We talked about doctrine, our faith, what we believe, continuing in those things, continuing in brotherly love, continuing in our prayers. The last thing I want you to see, Romans chapter 6, he asks the question, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Galatians chapter 3, he makes the statement in verse number 10, and I'll turn there quick. He says in verse number 10, For as many as are the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. 
We don't continue in doing wrong. We're supposed to continue to do right. Just keep doing right. The world wants to watch you fall. The devil would take great pleasure in watching you fall. But your parents raised you to do right. The Lord saved you so you could do right. The church has tried to encourage you, and I am encouraging you right now, do right. Do it right. There is no need to continue in sin. And shall we continue in sin that grace might more abound? Just because God's forgiven us and He'll forgive me again, I can get away with it. No. God forbid. Live as if you're dead to sin. Continue to follow what you know to be true. He reminds us in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14, he said, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Do not stop moving. Continue. 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 There's going to come a day, we've all talked about it. I was talking with Xander. I have the honor of preaching every Shelton kid graduation. And I told Xander I've already reserved it. He doesn't even get a choice now. He get a cho- I don't want my streak broken, you know? <laughs> It's a privilege to preach these. I, I take this wait. I take this. I take every message I preach seriously. I take this pretty, pretty high on the list, and the privilege of being able to do so. Because the truth is, we all are thinking about a trumpet sounding. We're all looking at the last days. We're all going. I really don't know how much longer it could be. But the Apostle Paul thought the same. Now, I don't mean that to be discouraging like we're not getting out of here. (laughs) But the scoffers show up and where is the promise of His coming? And all those pieces start flopping around and the Christians start going, well, I guess guess He's not even coming for us and I don't know what's going to happen. And now, you know what you find now? Now you find that people are going, well, we're going to go midway now. And that's coming back around, that silly doctrine. You say, what is that? They're doubting His coming. They're doubting is coming. What does that mean? I think we're real close. <laughs> uh, I think we're real close. I could be wrong, though. Maybe we'll have another 30 years. I don't know. I really hope not. Maybe we will. But if we don't, trumpet's sounding soon. We're in the last days. Now's not the time to quit. Now's the time to continue. And conti- don't, don't slow up. Don't ease up. Don't, don't let it just sit around for a little bit longer. Go ahead. Just keep going. Keep moving forward and keep moving forward and keep moving forward. Continue, continue, continue because one day I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. Paul finished and he finished his course with joy. I hope we all finish with joy. Let's go ahead and stand. We're not going to do an invitation tonight. We are going to take some time next door and have a good time of fellowship and things. We are going to sing uh, one more congregational, though. And maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. I don't know. That's you and the Lord. It's a personal relationship with Him. 
He died to save you for all of eternity. And if you would like to know more about that, I will gladly, I don't need to go next door for cake, all right? I will gladly stay. I will open a Bible and I will show you out of the Bible what he says about eternal life. How you can know your sins are forgiven forever. Nothing would make me happier. Nothing would make these graduates and their families happier than to know that somebody today asked Jesus Christ to save them. They won't be worried that you didn't show up yet for cake. They'll be fine. They'll still be here. To know that eternity is yours forever. Please don't let that go. And maybe tonight you just want to take a moment while we sing the next song uh, and go ahead and just say, Lord, I'm, I, help me continue. Just help me continue. Help me to finish well. Brother Andrew, if you would.